Hello everyone, it's Dr. Stillman and Jim Laird. We are going to be going live a lot of the time, a lot of days from now on to talk about the things we see going on in modern day health and wellness to educate you guys, to give you information that we see missing from the modern narratives and I don't know what else to call them on health and wellness. And today, Jim and I are going to kick off these lives by talking about the number one reason that we see that modern people are sick. In these lives, we're going to be doing a quote of the day, and our quote of the day is, the physician treats, but nature heals. When I sat down today and I said, Jim, what should we talk about? And, and then I said, let's talk about the top reasons we see people being sick in our modern world. Jim said, look, that's really easy. It's just disconnection from nature. And Jim and I agree on this. If we had to put it into one single simple sentence, why people are sick and unwell in our modern world, it would be that they are disconnected from nature. Jim. Why is that the number one thing you think is making modern people sick and miserable? Well, it's just you just look around. I mean, you walk around and people are pale, they're pasty. Uh, the statistic is, is that uh, the average American spends 93% of their day indoors. And if we look at sun exposure, if we look at everything, I mean, the sun literally, you know, your circadian clock, I believe, is the foundation of your health. It is. And, uh, you know, yesterday we were at an amusement park and just the number of people that look ghostly white. People look terrible. It was insane. The pastiness and, of the skin is really just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, right. you know, bad, um, you know, biomechanics. Uh, people are slouched. People have got pelvic tilt they're not even aware of. You know, you've taught me a lot of those things in the last eight, nine, ten months since we started training together. You know, there are so many problems that we both see when we look at modern people. Uh, and yet what's, I, I mean, I, in, in many ways, funny and, and tragic about it is that we both know how easy and simple it can be for them to be well. You know, that's part of why we created things like we've created to work with people, right? We're now doing a lot of group coaching with people. Our fundamentals of wellness course is now live. We'll recover all this information. You can find the link uh, below on my link tree. Um, people need a certain amount of basic education and basic baseline knowledge. And then they need some interactive time with you and I, whether that's in a group setting or one-on-one, -on -one, in order to help them iron out exactly what they need to do for their context in order to be well. But the overarching theme in every single case is that we need to figure out how has this person disconnected from nature and what do we need to do in order to reconnect them to nature so that nature will take over and that natural healing force within us that Hippocrates was talking about. And for those of you who don't know, Hippocrates is the father of Western medicine. He lived in ancient Greece you know, over 2000 years ago. And what he said about medicine, I have one, I have a dozen quotes from him that are so powerful because they're, they're timeless. They're never going to be not true. And what he said about medicine back in, you know, whatever it is, 400 BC, it's just as true. It's more true today than ever, ever before in some ways, because people have never been so disconnected from nature. Yeah. I mean, even 30 or 40 years ago, most people had manual labor jobs outside. So they were constantly moving. You know, um, they were constantly getting out in the sun. Right. Uh, they, they were more active. They went to beaches. They played. Most people today, that, you know, even with us, we have to consciously, you know, one, we do the majority of our work outside um, like we are right now, um, which makes a huge difference. If you look at like blood pressure around the world, it's going up as people around the world start moving inside. You know, uh, the modern medical uh, establishment, they do these studies like why is blood pressure going up all over the right. world? And, you know, it, if, if you're knowledgeable in this stuff, it's, it's a no brainer to me. The, the less UV light people get, the less outside, outdoor time they spend, 
the, the higher their blood pressure is going to be, right? So, right. Um, it's funny matter, you mentioned that because I was just on getting people building some basic habits where you know you're getting outside three times a day for walks, you're being you're getting up, you're moving around. Uh, because what happens is, is people uh, will be looking for these big fixes and, and and they haven't they don't have it's the important little things that you do every day the little habits and the little things over time and build up but it, you know we've got more gyms today than in modern in history and yet we have more obese people but there's more gyms than there's ever been there's more people working out than ever but it's the daily yeah. habits that that are that are killing us literally and you can't make up for a really horrible indoor life by going to the gym and trying to like like burn it off so to speak right and that's another hippocrates quote that is one of my favorites he said illnesses do not come upon us out of the blue they are developed from small daily sins against nature when enough sins have accumulated illnesses will suddenly appear sin is a very interesting word the ancient greek word sin is actually the same word in for for what people think of as like moral you know immoral behavior uh it's the same word as we use in mathematics to define how far from the from from a mark uh, a line or has intersected a, a plane um, that's why you have like what we call a sine wave and it originates from the concept of a, an arrow flying through the air and as it drops right it will miss the mark so the idea is missing the mark and people don't realize they're missing the mark on their health and wellness every single day in small seemingly inconsequential ways and we talk about this you know i, I don't know where you got this saying I don't know if it's a Jim Laird original, but you you said you said it, and it, it stuck with me so much the the or so so uh, strongly the first time you said it. You said small hinges swing big doors. People don't get how powerful small, seemingly inconsequential habits are. Right. Now, how many times has someone come to us and said, you know, just getting outside more often each day is giving me a better mood, is giving me better sleep. Suddenly, I'm losing weight. We just talked. I just talked to somebody this morning. She said that working with us she's been she's been with um weight watchers for almost her whole life never was able to get to to her goals to achieve her goals with them and working with us she's finally managed to lose weight um but she's actually eaten more which is amazing you know we actually have that experience all the time because we're number one thing we're telling people to do is eat more protein yep and you know one of the things about natural protein sources they tend to be lean Right. One of the things we tell people to do all the time, eat more seafood, uh, particularly uh, shellfish. Another misconception people have is that you need to avoid shellfish because of the toxin load. Well, actually, shellfish don't have very much. Um, what do you call it? Heavy metals in them, which is what a lot of people are worried about. And they're incredibly lean a lot of the time. And when they're not lean, they have a lot of omega threes, which most people are deficient in. And so what we end up seeing when people eat more shellfish is they get an enormous amount of protein. They get huge quantities of trace elements that they badly need to detox from heavy metals. Like selenium really helps people compensate for mercury poisoning, which we see a lot in our high achievers because they love their tuna steak. Ladies, you love your spicy tuna rolls with your girlfriends at sushi night. And we see that all the time. And so little things like this help people connect to nature. The other thing about seafood I've been thinking about recently is that you know, the powers that be can ruin our soils, they can deplete our soils, they can over farm our soils, but you can pollute the ocean, but it's a very big body of water to actually really ramp up the pollutants in. And so our, our shellfish, oysters, uh, scallops, shrimp, crab, 
you know, short of really terrible local pollution conditions, they're going to have low levels of heavy metals, low levels of pollutants, and really high levels of trace elements because they, you, know, you can't really deplete the sea of its minerals. You can only contaminate it. You know, and people, um, you, know, you talk about willpower, you talk about why people can't stick to things. You, you know, one, one of the reasons why people fail is because they, they, they literally try to change too many things at once. Uh -huh. Instead of adding something simple in, like, you know, we do three 10 minute walks a day, right? Mm -hmm. And what are the side effects of, you know, you throw that the little hinges swing big doors, you throw that pebble in the pond. Okay. Walking outside, uh, 10 minutes, three times a day stabilizes blood sugar. It gets you outside to get your eyes in the light. Your hormone production gets better. Yep. Um, you're able to make think better, think clearly, more rational. You make better choices. You stop craving, craving garbage, right? You start craving less alcohol. You start craving less sugary foods. And all of a sudden you start doing these other things automatically because of the getting outside three times a day habit. Your sleep improves. You make better choices. Um, so just doing something simple like that bleeds over into everything else and it makes other behavior changes um, easier, easier, right? Yeah. And so in, instead of, um, you know, people will like, oh, look, what's walking outside three times a day going to do? But when you actually do it and you hear the people say, wow, my sleep's better, right. I'm thinking better, I'm making better choices. Right. As opposed to like doing massive calorie restriction and like trying to like go to hit classes. Right. And, and doing whatever supplement you're trying to do to burn this thing off. Yeah. We try to get people to learn how to work with their body and to get their body healthier. And then their body just kind of figures out where it needs to go. Jim, that reminds me, we had a, we, we, we recorded a session recently where we talked about the top five weight loss mistakes we see ruining people's health, where we talked specifically about some of those issues. Is yeah. that ready yet? Where is that? Where is that? Well, yeah. we have a, I'll be sh sharing a, um, I have to put that link up. I don't have it in my link tree, but I will. Okay. Um, we have to put that 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 sequence up, but yeah, it'll sure be in my link tree later. Too. It'll be in Dr. Stillman's link tree later. But we have a uh, a free video we're giving away. Um, we're also giving away a, a, a photon light from Sauna Space, and we're also giving away one of our coaching programs. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I, the five weight loss mistakes is in my link tree. If people want to look at that, it's in the video description right now. Yeah. So um, you can check that out. <clears throat> yeah. And weight and uh, blood pressure is another thing that came up this morning in a call with, with someone is that uh, their blood pressure is better. We're going to start tapering their blood pressure medication. How did we do it? We got them reconnected to nature. We looked at their minerals. We started balancing those, changing their diet, eating more protein. I don't think people realize how powerful, you know, and, and source of protein is really important, which people don't, they don't understand. You know, they think, oh, and then they get bored of eating protein because they're only eating steak and whey. You know, it's not good. So in this particular case, one of the things I think about with, with protein is, um, uh, as I was saying, type of protein or, or source of protein, um, people, uh, people don't realize that things like nuts and seeds have more arginine. Arginine helps to uh, reduce blood pressure because it feeds forward into your nitric oxide synthase pathway. That nitric oxide synthase pathway is activated by, I think it's UVA light. Uh, from the sun. Uh, those pathways are also affected by vitamin D, which is made by UVB, which is, you know, the other UV frequency that you find in strong sunlight that you get outside during the day, spring, summer, etc. And so get someone to eat nuts, get them to eat more protein, get them to have more arginine, get them to have more UV light, 
get them to have more nitric oxide synthase. That's why we see big reductions in blood pressure that then allow us to do things like taper their medications. Well, not only that and people feeling better, they've done studies that show that people having pictures of nature in their office or like a house plant mm -hmm. improve like how they feel, make them less depressed. Imagine right. if you actually get out in nature itself, how much better that's going to be. Should we jump into the, uh, the huge can of worms since it's our first, our first live yeah. here on why animal proteins are superior to plant proteins? Wow. But what an interesting, you know, comment, right? Because I think what people, you know, when we say superior though, in almost every context, right? It's always about strategy. And efficiency. Well, but not just efficiency, but, but strategy, right? Right. So I combine nuts and seeds as protein sources because of the high proportion of arginine. Sure. And the omega-3s and 6s and the trace elements. Like, for example, you can't get as much manganese from land animal protein as you can from nuts and seeds. I mean, short of some, you know, organ meat that I'm not familiar with, it's rich in the amino acid manganese. I don't, I'm not familiar with that. But the caveat to that, right, is when we say animal protein, what do we really mean? Because it's a huge, it's a huge breadth of different types of proteins. We're talking about dairy. And right. dairy from a goat is not the same as dairy from a cow is not the same as dairy from right. a water buffalo or a camel or a mare or any other species, right? Is not the same as, as milk or dairy from a mother, right? Mother's milk. Right. And then dairy in and of itself, well, is it cheese? Because cheese is going to have different properties and different, you know, constituents than say fresh milk. It's going to be different if it's powdered. It's going to be different if it's preserved, pasteurized, homogenized. I won't get too more too much deeper into that but the big categories that we're working with right are dairy proteins or dairy sources we're working with um land animal meats so there's your poultry your grazing animals your your goats sheep bison um uh, beef etc there's some more esoteric ones we won't get into and then there's uh um and then you get your your uh, seafoods right? Your fish and your shellfish. And then the sh shellfish, there's crustacean shellfish and molluscum shellfish. So, I mean, I mean, short, long story short, we like these because they pack a lot of protein. They pack a lot of amino acids that people tend to need more of with the stresses of modern life right. and also to meet their goals. Right. You know, and this is a tension that we talk about in our work a lot, particularly one-on-one -on -one with people. They'll say things like, well, how much protein should I be eating? Um, or they'll say, what should my testosterone be? And I say, look, you know, technically, if we look back at the literature, there's evidence to suggest that, you know, castration actually improves the longevity of men. Um, but I tell men this all the time, and none of them are asking me for a referral for a professional castration, right? No man wants to have a low testosterone level. You talk to virtually any man and say, hey, listen, listen, would you rather live at a fuller, stronger, more intense, exciting, fun life? for a shorter period of time? Or would you rather live to a ripe old age and be kind of a doddering old man who can't, you know, really, you know, enjoy all the things that men enjoy about being a man? They almost universally come back, look, I'd rather have a shorter life that's more fun, more exciting, more meaningful. And for most of them, that means doing whatever it takes to optimize their testosterone, optimize their muscle mass, you know, it's funny, you know, we talk about this on a regular basis. We don't like BMI, body mass index, as a uh, as a metric for health, but it has a, has a place. 
uh, because it's one of the easiest things for us to get, particularly remotely, to understand what someone's body composition is. But one of the things that's interesting about it is that we'll actually tell people we want their BMI to be up at 24 or 25 or even 26, where the literature says that increases their risk of death. But the reality is that with strength and weight training, we think it's going to net reduce their risk of death so long as that's lean muscle mass that they've gained, not fat mass. And, um, you know, we also like down at 22, I mean, at 22 or 23 or whatever in those lower BMI ranges, people don't look their best. They don't feel like they're they're sexy and attractive, and they don't feel great when they exercise. They have a low exercise capacity. They don't have a high tolerance for exercise. They can't move heavy weights, and it's life's. I mean, I think life's more fun in a BMI, you know, that's a little bit higher from a little bit more muscle mass, and you just can't get there without a lot of animal protein. Well, yeah, and the thing that I see is people come to me or this this narrative right now that plant proteins are superior one because they're better for the environment. Uh, Two, there's less cruelty involved. And I always tell people, look, you know, if you're going to eat plant proteins, go for it. But if that's going to be the mainstay of your diet, you're going to have to eat way more calories to get the same amount of protein, right? You get more protein from less calories. And then also with our modern farming, you actually end up killing more animals by eating stuff that's grown in a commercial way than you would if you just ate a cow. So right. being sold this narrative that, you know, um, and, I, you know, I tell people in order for you to get the, the right amount of protein, you have to combine certain you just make your life a lot more difficult. So, you know, we're being sold this narrative narrative in the media. We're being sold it, you know, by the elites that, you know, we need to be vegetarians and we need to, you know, uh, basically consume less protein. It's really hard on the environment. But people don't realize that if you raise animals the way they're supposed to be pasture raised, that's one of the best things you can actually do for the environment. So that, that was kind of right. my angle on that. But. Oh, I entirely agree. You know, the regenerative agriculture movement, right. people like White Oak Farms or White Oak Pastures, I can't remember the name exactly, but they're, you know, they're stewarding the land in a way where they integrate animal agriculture into the landscape so that they're not depleting the soils, they're not ruining the environment. Uh, they're doing it in a, in a sustainable way uh, that is also important for human health because one of the things we see all the time is the need in our patients and clients for more lean protein. Right. And this is something that really only, I think, became very apparent to me in the last few months. You know, we would have people who were, you know, getting to their macronutrient goals. They were even hitting their, you know, their, a lot of their wellness goals. They were feeling better, looking better, performing better. But they did even better when we switched them over to more lean protein. And, you know, the land animals tend to be more lean when you feed them on pasture rather than on grains and corns and things like that. And so, you know, I just started to realize I needed to get people onto those lean proteins. The other thing about lean protein, right, is that, and again, I'm not vilifying fat. I'm not afraid of fat. I just noticed that people who are eating fattier and fattier cuts of meat, the thigh with the skin on, if it's, if it's a bird, uh, if they're eating fattier cuts of steak, like a ribeye, Sometimes they would unwittingly be eating a low protein diet because the fatty acid content of the diet was creating immense satiety. You have a four to six ounce ribeye. That's a very filling meal. You might be able to polish off an eight ounce ribeye, but even if you polish off an eight ounce ribeye, it's not going to have the same protein content as if you polish off an eight ounce cut of really lean steak where only, you know, one, one third or one quarter of the uh, calories are coming in from fat. Yeah. 
So Starlight has a question. If you could get into, uh, sure. are there nuts and seeds that a lot are that are better consumed, such as macadamia versus almonds? Could you talk about the different types of right. seeds and the advantages that they have? Right. It's funny because I actually went over this today with the same person I've been mentioning. And I added in just four examples. It was chia seeds, pecans or pecans, walnuts, that's English walnuts, not black walnuts, and pumpkin seeds. So when you when you add these four things in, in equal quantities, what you'll see is that the omega-3 to 6 ratio is 1 to 4, which is what I like to see. I base that on the studies done in, in ketogenic diets. They found that ketogenic diets with that ratio minimize the risks of, se of seizure. If that fatty acid ratio mix is good enough to reduce the risk of seizure, it's good enough for me. I think that's a pretty good metric or yardstick for optimizing neurological function. Um, and I, I also say that having seen a lot of different ratios show up in people's lab testing, when you actually look at their cell membranes, do they have appropriate ratios of fatty acids? And then I looked at the, the micronutrient content of those different minerals, or, or I should say nuts and seeds. And what you'll see is that having those, that variety uh, gives you a really wide range, of different nuts and seeds. You might get a ton of manganese from something like pecans, but you might need to eat Brazil nuts to get a significant amount of selenium. You might get a lot of magnesium from chia seeds, but maybe you need pumpkin seeds if you're going to meet your zinc requirement. And that's a really long way of illustrating a very simple principle, which is that different types of foods and different foods in different you know, categories are going to supply you with sometimes radically different profiles of trace elements. So I don't know why pecans have a high level of manganese, and I don't know why pumpkin seeds have a high level of magnesium or zinc. But when people eat or consume only one or two of a certain type of food, there's a bunch of different problems that they tend to run into. Number one, their nutrient profiles will get skewed toward the minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, and B vitamins as well that we see a lot of in that food. And that can create some imbalances and some overloads. The other thing that we see, you've seen it as a, as a professional coach, strength coach. I've seen it as a physician. When people over rely on any food, they become more and more likely to develop some kind of intolerance or immune reaction to it. And the number of people who we see eating a lot of dairy, who eliminate the dairy and some seemingly unconnected symptom goes away is astonishing. It's not just dairy. I'm not really picking on that. or I guess I am picking on it because it's one of the most common allergens in our modern world. But dairy, gluten, wheat, the eight major allergens, uh, which I could go into, but I won't. Um, these, these different uh, uh, foods that we tend to develop these allergies to, by not having too much of them in your diet, you reduce your risk of developing these intolerances or allergies. And I could get into what these things are. I mean, you know, there's a difference between a food intolerance, a food sensitivity, a food allergy. Within food allergy, there's different types of food allergy reactions mediated by different arms of the immune system, which gets very academic. Uh, but the point is simply this. I don't tell people to eat one or two foods. I tell them to eat a really wide range of foods because I've seen it give them the best results. Uh, and then I'll tell them, look, these are the food groups that I think you need to be more um, consistent with. Well, there's a really simple way to kind of see if you've got any major imbalances in your in your or holes in your diet is chronometer. And you can put your own data in there and it'll give you a breakdown of the things you got too much of, the things you're missing, right. 
you know, that's a really good way to do that. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, you know, I talked to, I had bet podcast with Ben Greenfield. It came out a couple months ago now, I, I think maybe it was last month, but Ben and I talked about this on the podcast. It may have been another part that got cut off, but if it was, we talked about how we both use chronometer and coaching people. And a lot of people are using chronometer because chronometer has this ability to show people exactly what they're eating. It can be a little bit overwhelming at times for people who are not used to tracking their diet and and they're not used to measuring things out into the gram quantity. But that's why I use it. I started using it in my early 30s, you know, a couple of years ago. Those are like last week, right? Yeah, right. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> uh, so I, I started using it and I didn't realize how, I mean, I, here I was thinking, okay, I'm 30 something. I've been reading about nutrition for almost 20 years. I'm fascinated by it. I've read so many labels. I've done this. I've done that. I've studied with this person. I've studied with that person, but I put my data into a chronometer and I thought, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was actually eating. And we see this all the time. I mean, we see so many people coming in to work with us who think they're eating enough protein and they're not. And they don't know how to eat enough protein right. there because there are strategies and tactics that are essential if you're really going to break through to the level that is going to optimize your health, your performance, your weight loss, your muscle mass gain, your body composition, your sleep, your mood, just your whole performance. We cover all that in the fundamentals of wellness. We had our first coaching call for that on Saturday. These end up being very small coaching calls. People get very lots of of, of basically one-on-one -on -one time with with Jim and I, where that we get to ask them questions, get to know them, get to know what they're dealing with, help them troubleshoot their issues. You can find links to that program uh, in the link below through my link tree. I think it's the first or second uh, link. And I also want to add that, you know, this is one of the most important things we teach people and help them to uh, troubleshoot when it comes to their weight loss, which Jim and I will be having a webinar on at the end of the month. That link's also in my link tree in the link below. Yes, it's very true. Um, Jim, any last closing thoughts? Get outside as much as you can. Right. You know, if, if you're one of these people that are stuck in an office, like I changed my entire life so I could live a more outdoor life. I sold my gym yeah. and I was spending five in the morning till eight at night inside. And I had some health issues. So I made some major changes. I didn't start working until 10 fired a lot of clients. It was, it really sucked, but, um, you know, it changed my life and now I've redesigned my life so I can literally spend 98% of my day outside. You can tell by how dark I am. Um, so, you know, start where you are, you might not be able to, um, go all in at first and that's totally okay. But take it, you know, people take smoke breaks all the time. You take a sun break at work, you know, go for a walk in the morning, get your morning light, go for a walk in the evening. You know, take movement breaks throughout the day, take 10 or, you know, every 30, 40 minutes, do, do, get up, move around, sit in a deep squat, uh, go for a walk. You know, you have to make these small changes daily are going to have way bigger compounding effects in the long run than trying to use intensity to get out of the hole you're in. That's exactly right. And that's why people come to us and we'll actually dial back their intensity and help them get better results. So on that note, Jim, thanks for joining me. To all of you listening, thank you for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, share this with someone who needs it, and we will see you next time.